Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Stephanie Parry, an executive coach and leadership consultant. And I want to welcome you to my podcast, Where Do We Go From Here? I started this in 2020 with the backdrop of the COVID crisis, as well as other crises such as climate change and social justice. I wanted to explore the consequences for leadership, for teams and organisations, talking with people who, like me, were trying to make sense of it all and make some longer term changes. In the first season, I discussed with my guests topics such as learning from trauma, leading with a moral compass and being socially responsible. In this second season, I'm going to dig into some of the challenges that we're facing right now, such as learning to live with COVID, responding to the climate crisis, and facing the shadow of war in Ukraine, as well as other global conflicts. I'm always looking for what does it mean to be a leader in a world of constant crisis, which can have, as we've seen, major impact on the way we think about work. My guests are thinking about these challenges through their own particular lens, And in our conversations, we are trying to identify what might be helpful for any of you who are listening and trying to work out what being a leader means for you right now. I believe this is a constant learning and that understanding the context can make a big difference to leadership. So being self-aware and leading with purpose and intention are essential. I hope this podcast contributes to that. My guest today is Steve Magnus. Based in Texas, Steve is a performance coach of elite athletes, a writer and a fellow podcaster. So thank you for joining me today. Let's just kick off by me asking you to introduce yourself. Tell me who you are and what you do. So I'm Steve Magnus. I am a performance coach, author, a whole bunch of things, but Basically, I I love exploring the world of performance from athletics to executives to entrepreneurs, just to artists, just people doing interesting things and and seeing how how they perform and, and do what they do and if I can help them in any way. Thank you, Steve. So thanks for that introduction. And it's So it takes me back to when I first read your name, which was in an article last year about uh, Simone Biles, when she had just withdrawn from the Tokyo Olympics. So I think it's fair to say I don't have an athletic bone in my body, (laughs) but I'm really fascinated by many sports. And I love this idea that, you know, that in sport, there are many parallels with other parts of life. And especially many of my clients who are leading organizations are facing some of the challenges that I see elite performers facing as well. So let's just start with that story about Simone Biles, because that was all a story about her saying no, her stepping back, you know, and that was, there were many opinions about that at the time that I read, but it seemed like it was a really courageous decision that she took. So tell me a bit about that. And Sure. So 
it was just, you know, Simone Biles essentially, you know, struggled and then stepped out of competition when she was the favorite to win everything at the, at the Olympics. And there were a lot of opinions about that. But the way I see it is we have this kind of fundamental misunderstanding of what it kind of means to be tough in performing. And we have this idea that it's like, oh, put your head down, like grind through, you know, just push through the pain. And the reality is that doesn't really work. What What's more important is I think what Biles did, which is being able to step back and have this moment of self-awareness to be like, well, am I capable of doing A, B, and C? What happens if I push forward? What happens if I if if I step back? And in her case, because she was suffering kind of from this 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 thing called the twisties, which is essentially you lose you like disconnect from what your body is doing. So you kind of lose control or that sensation of understanding of what's going on. So when you're competing in gymnastics, that can be super dangerous because you're flipping all over the place. So she just kind of did this self-awareness check and she realized like, hey, I'm experiencing the twisties. I'm going to see if it still occurs. And it did. So like, this is dangerous. The courageous thing to do is to say no, is to step back, come back, like figure it out and then support my team and move forward. And I think that was such a powerful message because often, again, in our culture, the the message is like ignore everything and just push through. But that can either lead to worse performance, put our team in jeopardy or, you know, cause damage to ourselves. So having that self-awareness moment is is huge. And that was such a great lesson on it. That's very clear. And I, I really like your explanation. And how do you think that she achieved that self-awareness? And do you see other athletes who achieve that self-awareness to say, enough, I need to stop, I need to go in a different direction? Or, you know, how do they do that self-awareness check? Yeah, that's that's really difficult, especially when you're competing on a public stage. I think what it comes down to is she's been like she's practiced and trained for so long and then also has a very good support system around her, which you noticed, you know, they weren't pushing her to compete again in that moment. They just accepted her decision, right? And I think that that is key here because like when we're at our most vulnerable space, when we've quote unquote failed at something that we're expected to succeed at, if we can have that support system, it gives us that courage or it allows us to kind of take on things with a challenge mindset instead of that fear mindset. Because I think often what happens is like the fear mindset can take over. And that's the one that like puts all those like doubts and that's the one that like pushes us forward and doesn't allow us to quit. If I could use another sports analogy, I think this works really well is we we need to be the climber who's trying to make it to the summit of Mount Everest, which is we really want to get to the summit. We really want to push through, but we have to be aware enough to understand that we have to make it back down the mountain. Yes, I love that. I love that because I'd say that happens in the organizations, in clients, in when I've you know been in my corporate life as well. That if, if focus is on the goal, but then 
not what happens afterwards. And so sometimes there's a sort of sense of letdown or a sense of burnout, a sense of exhaustion and fatigue. Uh, so that is such a, a powerful image, really, that you don't want to end up being st- stuck at the top of Everest. <laughs> not a great idea (laughs) exactly and I think again it's just kind of ingrained in in who we are and that's where I think or our society that's where I think it's incredibly important to have those kind of check-ins you know to be able to step back and you just mentioned a lot of things there in terms of burnout and just this feeling of of languishing or or what have you is those feelings are really important because they send the signal you know, just like an athlete would listen to their body and say, oh, something feels a little bit off. I yeah. think the same thing applies in the workspace yes. is, is your body is telling you something if you're just feeling this burnout or whatever have you. And you need to tune in and listen to it and see if, hey, you know, should I take a step back or, or am I on the right path pushing forward? So what would you say to people, you know, maybe some of my listeners who are thinking, well, yes, that's all great in theory, but you know, if I step back, you know, I'll be letting my team down or I might be, you know, I might be fired or I might be seen as as weak. Um, what would you say to that sort of reaction because I I, <laughs> I can hear some people I know thinking that as we speak. Yeah, you know, it's it's true. I think what I've seen work really well is having honest conversations with people. Mm-hmm. Is because again, the general mindset is like, oh, we step back, we step away, uh, we're weak or we're a quitter or what have you. But like, you're in charge of setting that stage. So if you go to, you know, it depends on your relationship with your boss and your team. But if you go to your team and you say, hey, this is this is why I'm doing this. Like, this is what it's for. I'm not trying to abandon you. If you need me, and a lot of times if you kind of hedge a little bit and you say, if you need me to push forward, I'll push forward. Mm -hmm. But I just want you to be aware that, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to get my best performance out of me because of X, Y, and Z that's going on. Yeah. So I guess also it's having that conversation before you know when you still got some capacity to push forward exactly. <laughs> if that that conversation happens and there's no capacity to push forward well then you know you're really done for what i what i heard you say as well is and staying with Simone Biles is that she had a great support system so that support system didn't just happen like that did it how do high performing athletes build their support system so that it's there when they when they need it Yeah, you know, I think the most important thing is you find people who you can trust and Mm -hmm. who have like are aligned in terms of the goals and the big picture. What often happens is, especially with high level performers, is that like people, you can get people involved to just see their performance and the outcome and just want that. But what happens is if people are too outcome focused in your support group, then when push comes to shove, they're not going to have that perspective to do what's best for you. They're going to see the outcome and push for that. So when you're putting together that support group, it's really vital that, again, you look for and get people on board who are aligned in terms of incentives, are aligned in terms of what's the most important thing, the goal all of that good stuff. And then are people that you can trust. And that's people that you can trust to tell you to say, 
you know, things that maybe you don't want to hear at times, right? But that is that is that is vital to a good support system. Mm-hmm. That's such a good point because I've been noticing recently that some people who are like really big leaders probably don't have that person who can tell them the truth. So who can challenge them? What do you think about that? Having somebody who is going to challenge you and tell you what everybody else thinks but doesn't dare say. You know, I think that's vital because what happens is we all have kind of our bias, right? And we're all going to see the world through a certain lens. Mm -hmm. And we need someone who kind of keeps us in check, especially the higher or the better performing we are. Because the better we are, the better performance we are, the higher up the status ring we go, the easier it is to, I kind of call it like, lose your mind a little bit. Yes. Because because like everything around you is telling you like, you know, only one singular worldview. So you need someone who can come in, who can challenge you a little bit and kind of realign or pull you back if you're you're going too far in one direction. You know, as you develop and put together your support system, then it's having that grit in the system as well that's going to be reminding you of what's happening else elsewhere in the world and you know giving you another view and another perspective. Yeah. It, that might it, be a difficult to listen to. Yeah. It, exactly. And I think often we we kind of push those people away. But yes. it's 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 very important that you have someone again. And this is where I think it's those incentives and goals and all that align, because mm-hmm. if it's someone who, you know, throws a little of that 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 grist into the mill, but there's someone who, you know, like, hey, this one person has the company yeah. or my best interests at heart. You're going to listen to them. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So let me ask you, um, sort of change the subject a bit and talk about the pandemic and how the elite athletes that you coach and that you know have coped with that period of not being able to perform, to compete or to practice as they would normally do and, you know, how they sort of moved through that that really difficult period. Yeah, you know, I think that's that's an important question because it's something that everybody in the world has had to deal with. Any major disruption, 
like can shift kind of the patterns of our life. And I think that's what we've mm-hmm. seen in elite athletes. That's what we see in every, everyone else. Generally good performers kind of have, have a routine and are really good at sticking with it to get the work done. And COVID just kind of threw that out the window. So what what I've seen is, is kind of twofold is it's taught people how to have to, uh, you know, have your routine, have what you like to do, but also have this flexibility within it. (laughs) Because if you don't have flexibility, if you say, I have to show up at practice at this time and do this and get ready for this competition, then you're going to be incredibly fragile as we've kind of figured out. So having a little bit of that flexibility to go with the flow. The other thing that I think is really important here is if your motivation was on performing or showing up at games or competitions, well, that went away for a very long time. So it forced people to get like re in touch with kind of that internal motivation without that dangling carrot. That's such a good point. And I think, I think that in the end, that's going to be a great thing because it forces you to ask that question, okay, why do I do this if I don't get to show up and compete? And if you can grasp onto and figure out and get clarity on that why, then that's a much more sustainable motivator over the long haul. And that, that makes me think of the, the great resignation that everybody's talking about definitely in the US, possibly in the UK, and it's sort of in France as well. And I think a lot of people during this time have have been faced with, well, what's my internal motivation? They were going along with their routines and getting on with work as normal, and then suddenly have stopped and thought, why am I doing this? And don't always have that answer. (laughs) or a satisfying answer, which has led to this great resignation. So it's an interesting parallel, isn't it, between those two worlds of finding your internal motivation. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. And I think it's it's the same deal because it's, it's again, any sort of uncertainty, in this case, we had global yeah. uncertainty, like yeah. pushes you to have this kind of reflection piece, which can be great. Yes. And I think the other part too is like, which goes into the, the great resignation, and we've definitely seen it in the US, is people start asking, okay, what am I trying to get out of work? Like, what's yeah. the purpose and the meaning behind it? And I think, you know, having this kind of, we'll, we'll call it a, a brush with mortality to a degree because the COVID's mm-hmm. been so hard, has maybe kind of, you know, thrown people off a little bit and said, well, you know, is is this job giving me the meaning that I want or these other things that maybe we didn't even think about because we were just like, well, this is a great job and I get get paid well, so I'm going to keep and support my family and I keep doing it. And maybe this kind of brush with, Mm -hmm. you know, discomfort, mortality, whatever you want to call it, has kind of said, has kind of hit people a little bit and said, hey, you know, I want something that fulfills this other thing over here. So they, they yes. go searching for it. One thing I read uh, in your blog is about the insecurity of hard work. 
And I, I don't want to finish this conversation without talking about that because I you know, re- was really struck by, by that phrase, the insecurity of hard work, and then what, what you wrote about there. So can you say some more about, about that? What do you mean by the insecurity of hard work? <laughs> yeah, uh, again, I think this is a kind of societal, cultural thing is that we've tied you know, performing or having success to working hard, which is true. Like we have to work hard to achieve just about anything. But what often happens is we double down and work hard at from a sense of like fear and insecurity. We're not good enough that, you know, we have these doubts circling around. So we just kind of double down and go in, into it. And when you're working hard out of a place of what I'd call like this fear of failure, it just puts you in a in a bad place, both from a motivation standpoint, from a like, again, research shows from what sort of passion you have that drives you forward. So I, I think we have to be very careful because this happens in the sports world. It happens in the business world where we... We know how to achieve and we work really hard. But if that's coming from a place of like this fear and this doubt and this insecurity, it often comes back to bite us in the end. Yes. Yes. That's how we end up with people who are burnt out, people who are miserable in their jobs, who've lost their passion. And you wrote somewhere where I just want to check what you, this thing that you wrote that really struck me. Here we go. It's like work is a security blanket. And you write, when the marker of work, be it miles run or pages written, gets mistaken as the barometer of success. That really struck me. Of You know, it's just, that's where people, I think, lose connection with their passion. And back to that inner motivation, they're just ticking the boxes, ticking the goals, not doing it in any any sense of, with real meaning, I guess. Yeah, I, so. I think you're you're spot on. And that's why I said earlier that the better you get at just about anything, those outcomes become larger and larger. Because like yes. now we're we're known as maybe the CEO or the author who's written X number of books or the athlete who has, you know, run or won whatever title. And the larger that becomes, the more that pushes into your insecurity. And it's like this vicious cycle. So I always say like with high performers is you need to be able to, to kind of step back and have that courage to sometimes rest. If, if you do, that tells you that like you're in a good spot and it prevents burnout and all of these other things. Mm-hmm. If you can't, if you cannot step away, if it's, you know, Friday night at nine o'clock and you're, you know, still on the computer, you know, answering, replying to emails when your your family's eating dinner, that's that's a signal, right? Yes. That's one of those signs that says, oh, my motivation has almost changed from like a want to to a have to. And that mm-hmm. that is the path to burnout. I totally agree. So what I like about what you're saying there is as athletes listen to their bodies, everybody should be listening to their bodies, but also there are external signs as well. Like 
Are you stepping over boundaries between family and, and work life? You know, how often are you connected to your emails or to whatever platforms you're using? So there are, there are external signs as well as those internal signs. What does a rest look like in sporting terms? So a lot of people uh, default to, oh, it's vacation which or taking mm. time off, which absolutely occurs. After a season in sport, like you take a prolonged period off where you stop doing the thing that you've been doing for months on end, which is fine. But I think more important are what I'd call like these little micro breaks within Mm -hmm. the year, which allows you to like not tip over the, the edge, which could be everything from a day off. It could be doing something else. It could be, you know, even micro breaks within your day, which is like, going for a walk outside in nature, like socializing with friends, like making sure you're having something like that in there allows mm-hmm. you to kind of restore. And and again, the way I'd kind of describe it is look for activities that afterwards feel restorative, like they fill up your bucket. And if you pay attention enough, like you're going to figure it out. So it's back to that self-awareness, self-awareness and reflection, isn't it? To really work out what's working for you. I I listened to your podcast earlier this week and you were talking about, was it downtime or this is the the down week? What what do you call it in your podcast? Yes, it's it's the down week. So what what you're doing? I love that idea. What you're doing there is again, you're just kind of regular keeping in mind. I'll use running for example. Mm-hmm. Is you know you can't just keep training hard month after month after month after month. Uh, eventually, you get too fatigued, and you're no longer getting faster or stronger or better. So what do you do? Periodically, once every, you know, about once every month, you include what we call a down week, which is just take the edge off, like reduce the training a little bit. Maybe not, you're not doing nothing, but you're reducing the training. You're taking the stress levels down so that you can then like absorb the work that you did and then be refreshed so that you can get back to the hard work that that matters. So I love that idea. And I've seen that in companies that you know, I've worked in in American companies with very strong quarters, where you you know you really have to produce your results by the end of the quarter, and there's just a sort of general down week once the quarter is over, and so people you know tend to take a a sort of breather then. So that idea of taking a breather, stepping back, taking the edge off, as as you say, I think that's a really great practice to integrate into into our day to day lives, into our business lives. So, and, and if you see somebody, I, I like what you said in your podcast, if you see somebody who you can see their motivation is struggling, is to give them permission to have a down week. And I think as a leader, that, that's a pretty um, useful tool to have. Yeah, you know, I think leaders can kind of set the stage and, and, and if you set the stage and say, hey, it's okay, like I see you, <laughs> I see you're about to go yeah. over the edge, take this, this down week, that sends the message that, Like, you know, we're in it together that like I give you permission to rest. We're not this kind of grind away culture. We're worried about performance. And sometimes performance means, you know, taking the load off so that you can come back stronger and better.
Well, that seems like a great way to sort of bring our conversation to a conclusion. But I, I always ask my guests, where do we go from here? So any words of wisdom, given everything we just talked about, oh, man, where do we go from here? That's, that's, that's <laughs> such Sorry a, to throw you in it. <laughs> no, it's, it's all right. That's such a probing question. I love the title of the podcast, by the way. Thank you. Where do we go from Thank here? You. you know, I think, I think really it's about having a better mindset and relationship with whatever you're performing at. Because mm. often we, you know, often we sit here as we've talked this whole time and we have this idea of performing, meaning go, 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 and like put your head down and all that stuff. But what we're really worried about is performance over the long haul which is over, you know, the next 10, 20, 30, what, whatever many years you're you're going to be performing or working or whatever have you. Yes. And to be able to do that, you've got to have, you got to find that sweet spot of balance where you're mm-hmm. looking at working hard, but also having, you know, that rest and recovery and also having that like diversity of meaning or identity to yes. be able to keep at it for, you know, decades to come. That's great. Thank you. I put you on the spot there, but that's a really good answer. Thank you so much, Steve. I have always thought that there are parallels between the world of sport and the world of business, and I often bring sport into my work with my clients. So I was delighted with this conversation as so much of what Steve talks about, I can relate to. I especially liked when we talked about the insecurity of hard work and how easy it is to become trapped in a cycle of working hard for its own sake and lose sight of our own motivations and longer-term purpose. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Where Do We Go From Here? I'm Stephanie Parry, and you can find out more about my work at stephanie-parry.com. And if you've come this far, I'm sure you'll want to know that the music is by my husband, Jean-Pierre, and played by my stepdaughter, Judy. And this podcast is produced by the wonderful Hattie Moyer. Thank you. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.